Grace to you and peace from God, the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That worked so well at 9 o'clock by mistake that I thought I would begin the sermon this same way with a little bump. I'm intentionally breaking two rules of good preaching today. This sermon first will be very personal, and I have brought a prop with me into the pulpit. A good sermon needs no props, at least that's the opinion of many who teach homiletics. However, my guess is they haven't preached very many children's sermons. Believe me, the better your prop fits the sermon when preaching to children, the better the chance that they may listen and may even remember the point that you were trying to make. I'm not saying that this is a children's sermon. I brought with me my personal home communion kit, given to me on the day of my ordination to the priesthood. I'll tell you why it's here towards the end of the sermon, so stay tuned. But now know that it is here. As you may have already noticed in today's service bulletin, I am marking a significant milestone in my life, 25 years of priestly ministry, actually 26 years of ordained ministry, counting my year as a transitional deacon. On Trinity Sunday, May the 29th, 1983, I knelt at the chancel steps of Trinity Church, Columbus, Georgia, as the Right Reverend Bennett Jones Sims, along with a visiting bishop from Japan, and perhaps two dozen priests laid their hands upon my head and made me a priest in the Church of God, or God's Church. For those of you who have never been to an ordination service for a priest, all the presbyters, all the priests present participate in the laying on of hands. The weight of those many hands upon my head felt like the weight of the world, felt like the weight of the world was pressing down upon me as I accepted the particular and peculiar ministry of the priesthood. Much has changed in the world, and much has changed in the Episcopal Church since those days. I know that I have changed too, and I think for the better. Those who have gone through the ordination process know how much worry and anxiety there is connected to that process. If my memory serves me correctly, I endured some 36 written evaluations of one kind or another, including the MMPI, and many, many more spoken ones. One of my evaluators questioned my ability to exercise servant ministry because I had failed to hold open a door for someone who was following me with a cup of coffee in their hand. Talk about evaluation. At any point along the process, one can be told thanks but no thanks. As the church wisely and carefully asks the questions, do you discern a call to ordained ministry? As well as do we, that is the church, discern your call to ordained ministry also? I did run into some closed doors along the way that were later opened very, very widely for me. But still, the process is often very filled with the kind of worry Jesus is warning us about in today's gospel, at least by the aspirant for ordination. Let me say a bit more. 
The Greek word translated worry in today's text would be better translated be preoccupied with or be absorbed by. Both of these possible translations are, to me, so much more powerful than the word worry. We worry about all kinds of things, little things in our day-to-day lives. Jesus, however, has focused on some things that are pretty basic in life, what we will eat and what we will drink, and then he hits the fashion fear, what we will wear. For those in the ordination process, and it was certainly true for me, the possibilities, the maybes, the what-ifs, the unknowns, or what's coming next, can certainly preoccupy and absorb one's energy and efforts for several years, several years in many ways. Now, in the early days after ordination, I thought my ordination had somehow made me different, not special, but somehow different, despite all the training and teaching at seminary to the contrary. Then I came to understand that my concerns, my fears, the challenges that are before me are, were and still no different than your challenges and fears. Everything I am anxious about, you can be anxious about too. We all have things that can preoccupy and absorb us, distract us, and even consume us. An elderly parent, a problem at work, medical issues, the downturn in the economy, our own depression, fear, anxiety, addiction, even the decisions of general convention and those that were made later by some foreign bishops of the Anglican Communion in faraway places can distract and consume us. You can name, either now or later today, in your heart and mind, those things that absorb, preoccupy, your present spiritual life, what takes away your energy and your focus in life, probably will not be very hard. And then, then remember that life is more than, yes, life is more than these things. Life is so much more than food and drink and clothes. And yes, life is not always easy. And here is a third violation of proper preaching practices. I'm going to use a platitude. Jesus came to promise us hopefulness, not happiness. Hopefulness, not necessarily happiness. Life is so much more precious than a wheelbarrow full of diamonds, more precious than all the tea in China or all the oil in the Middle East. Life is a gift given to us by God, the Creator, our Creator. However, life can not only change in the twinkling of an eye, it also can come to an end that quickly as well. I know of what I speak, and most of you know why. My whole understanding of life changed forever eight weeks ago when I watched as my wife, my beloved Susie, fell and then rolled over the edge of a ledge. Literally, our lives changed forever in the twinkling of an eye. Thank God that her life continues. Thank God. Period. Let me also say to you, 
that I have worried. I have worried mightily over these weeks. In fact, there was a period of time when I didn't speak it, but I wasn't sure she would be here now. But in the midst of that worry, I was assured of lots of things. And this is what I have to offer to you today. Living life, really living fully into all that life has to offer and all that life brings our way, the ups and the downs, all the curves and the straight stretches, all the joys and all the sorrows is more than possible. Why? How? Because we live with the absolute knowledge of our worth and value to God. We just heard it in the gospel. We live with what I boldly affirm before you this day as the absolute assurance of God's goodness, the absolute assurance of Jesus' presence here with us, the absolute assurance that the power of the Holy Spirit is able to lift us up in order that we will endure and survive all that comes our way. Hear my conviction and believe that we need not worry, not in the ultimate sense. Not now, not in the future, not even as we draw our last breath. Not so sure about this? Still need proof? How about a bit of scientific knowledge from a scientist who happens to be our savior? Listen to these words. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. You and I know about ultraviolet light, right? We can't see it. It's light waves in the spectrum of light that is beyond our ability to see. But other creatures can see this light, and what they see can be color-wise very different than what we see. Interestingly enough, a bee can see ultraviolet light, but a bee doesn't see the color red. Many flowers we see only in one or two colors, a bee sees in three, four, or more colors. And the patterns of those colors direct the bee to the point that the nectar can be found. And in getting the nectar, the bee cross-pollinates the flower for the survival of the species. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that amazing? Even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these, Jesus tells us. We are about to confirm with our voices that Jesus was the one through whom all things were made. He was a scientist, too. He has spoken this scientific truth that we can now discern. Granted, we cannot see everything about the faith. Sometimes we just have to believe that there is more to things than meets the eye or can be discerned in a concrete way. But after all, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Again, I'm so bold as to say I know of what I speak. I have lived among and served and loved and ministered to and with. I have laughed and cried, celebrated, and even danced a time or two. And Chucky don't dance with God's people. 
I have done so not only as an ordained person, but more importantly, as a member of the royal priesthood of all believers, the community of all baptized persons, in all times and in all places. I have ministered to and among and with people of all genders, all races, ages, cultures, sexual orientations, of all sorts of conditions and circumstances. I have been blessed by these first 25 years. I have been blessed. Susie and I have been blessed in these last eight weeks by your concern, your offerings of help, but most importantly, we have been blessed by your prayers and your love. Now, why did I violate the no prop rule with my communion kit? Because for me, it is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual reality and grace. Every time I pick it up, I remember. I remember those who gave it to me. I remember those in my previous congregations. I remember the hands of the altar guild members who in six parishes have cleaned it over these 25 years. I remember those who have received communion from it, including my father and others who are now celebrating around God's heavenly altar. And when I take communion to folks here and now in this place and in this ministry, carrying the bread and wine which has been consecrated at this altar in your presence, be it into Susie's hospital room or the hospital room of one of your loved ones, or into a shut-in's home, I carry not only the Holy Sacrament with me, but I carry your presence as well. You go with me in the form and the symbol of this box, for you and I are members of this part of the body of Christ. Do you recall the way the last week's gospel ending ending ended? It's the end of Matthew's gospel, if it helps. Jesus said, And remember, I am with you always until the end of the age. Yes, yes he is. This I know to be true, beyond a shadow of a doubt. He is with us, always. Therefore, do not worry. And remember, God has written you on the palm of his hand. Amen.